a good start envisions an end result. This is Bryce Harper. Thank you for joining in for episode six of my podcast. I am the lead pastor of Family Worship Center here in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, and I had two important reminders I wanted to highlight for this episode. I think this episode is going to be a little bit shorter than the other ones, uh, but two very, very important reminders during this season. Um, I want to start with a story, though. I shared these two reminders on my Facebook, but I wanted to start with a story before I get into those two, especially if you've already read them. Here's a story of application. Um, Before we came here to Murfreesboro, we were in Lawrenceburg, Tennessee as youth pastors, uh, associate pastors, Sarah and I. And uh, what's special about this day is actually two years ago to this day, um, our church leadership, Pastor David Morgan and Stephanie, we announced to our church uh, two years ago today that we were going to be transitioning um, and moving to, to Murfreesboro to be a Par Family Worship Center. And um, I remember that day very vividly. I remember getting to the church very early, being very prayerful, just um, knowing we were right in what we were doing. Um, But we were in such a beautiful place, such a great place um, with our church there um, under Pastor David and Stephanie Morgan at United Church with the staff. We just had just an unbelievable five to six years there. And things were going and continuing to go very, very well. We had no um, reason to leave other than God calling us here. And so that was actually two years to the date, uh, December 15th. And that is when this is being recorded right now, um, December 15th of 2021. December 15th, 2019 was very different. And ever since then, things have just been just really, really fast. And a lot of things have been happening very quickly And um, I know not only for myself, but for a lot of people. And before we were there at United Church in Lawrenceburg, Tennessee, Sarah and I were uh, counselors uh, for Camelot Care Centers in Bradley County, Tennessee, which is Cleveland, Tennessee. And um, our agency that we did counseling, Sarah was a foster care counselor. I was a juvenile counselor um, or a prevention counselor. So I was on the side of the agency of trying to prevent children from going into foster care. And Sarah was a foster care counselor. She was working with foster parents and kids in foster care. And our agency was contracted with the state. And so we worked very closely with, uh, Department of Children's Services, DCS, and, um, the juvenile court system there, Um, They would give us referrals to our agency, and we would work in conjunction with DCS very closely. So we were always at, we were always in court sessions every single week, working with families and youth, working through their issues and their struggles and their tensions. And, um, And during that time, I learned a tremendous amount. I was a prevention counselor for about three years. And we, you know, volunteered at a church, I actually volunteered at Redemption to the Nation's Church, Pastor the Bishop, Kevin Wallace, Kevin and Devin Wallace. And it was an unbelievable time just being a volunteer um, of their church. And um, but we were counselors and, and I learned a great deal um, during that three years. What I what I saw near the end of that three years is that I was I was actually really good at what I was doing um, to the point that at the last kind of 
12 to six months of my time there um, at Camelot, you know, we would be in court, juvenile court, and the judge would want to refer a youth to counseling with Camelot. And there was a lot of times where I was in the room and the judge would say, I want to, I want to refer this student to Bryce Harper. And it happened several times. And it almost happened to the point where I thought, you know, maybe I just need to start my own counseling. Um, <laughs> Cause it's no longer just, we want to refer them to Camelot. We want to refer them um, to Bryce. And so um, built a really good relationship with those that I was working with there. And um, I was honestly just building um, this line of credit of just doing a good job and seeing seeing youth who were um, coming out of some of these issues, um, whether it be certain charges that we're having um, at school or in other places. And, and so it just kind of became a thing where um, people, you know, the court systems, um, probation officers or lawyers, they would... Um, they knew me, knew me by name, knew different cases that I worked with and the results I was getting from some of the cases I was working with. Um, and so therefore I began to almost kind of get those personal referrals. Um, and I started noticing that. And, but what's really funny is, um, I I didn't really know what I was doing. (laughs) I mean, I knew, I knew the call of God on my life at the time um, of really specifically working with youth. Um, I was still volunteering at a youth group. I had been a youth pastor and was volunteering as a youth leader in Chattanooga, um, again at uh, Pastor Kevin Wallace's church. And so, you know, there was a lot there. You know, I had my uh, pastoral ministry degree, um, was a part of Chosen, um, Karen Wheaton Ministries for four years while I was getting my degree. And so there was a lot there, a lot of learning, a lot of really a lot of um, hands-on experience um, working with youth um, in ministry. Um, but when it kind of got to the counseling, you know, and of course our counseling agency did really well in training us and giving us um, um, a lot of intensive training to make sure we were well well educated in what we were doing and working with youth. But at the same time, you know, as a pastoral ministry major, felt called to ministry. And, you know, here I am as a prevention counselor, a juvenile counselor. And and so as I'm getting these kind of like personal uh, referrals, so to say, I was um, just kind of beside myself thinking, you know, I really don't know what I'm doing. I mean, I do, but I really don't. And, and I was, and, and I would have people ask me, you know, what are you doing? Um, that's giving you these kind of results. Like, we need to know what you're doing. Um, and I was kind of, um, embarrassed by my answer because I was thinking about it the way, um, it maybe it had been presented to me, or maybe I was thinking about the way the counseling world works on things and, and all the paperwork and all the admin aspect of it and logging all the, um, details of counseling sessions and making sure to get insurance approval and, and writing court letters to the judge and keeping them updated with the behaviors. And, and, um, yeah, I was just kind of, um, beside myself. And sometimes when people would ask me, because I didn't really have maybe the answer they was, they were expecting, and maybe they were accustomed to hearing that I had some kind of like five step, progress system. But what made me effective, and I realized it once I kind of started 
thinking about it was relationship. I, I've just simply built a relationship um, with my clients. So when I'm like working with a student I don't know and I'm getting to know them, um, I'm spending time with them. Like I would just, we would play games together. I mean, we'd play a board game or, or if they had a basketball hoop outside, like I'd go out with um, the 13-year-old boy or whoever my client was, you know, it would range from really young to, you know, like senior in high school, you know, it'd be somewhere, you know, an eight-year-old kid to an 18-year-old kid typically. And we, you know, we'd go play catch, you know, with the football or baseball and glove or go shoot, go shoot hoops, um, go play basketball in the driveway. And I would do that for several, the very you know, the first sessions, I would do that a lot. Within the first month, I'm just spending a lot of time just hanging out with the family and with the students. And I really begin to realize, you know, I would build such a strong rapport um, that it made really, it made it really easy to talk about difficult things and then begin to strategize on how to help these students' families move forward. So I kind of put these, these things down and and really, they seem like two totally different things, but they're both very, very, very important. Uh, number one is just self-care. I noticed in the counseling field very quickly that people were just really, really working really, really hard. Um, they were working honestly too hard. They were working to the point of burnout. They were working. Um, um, they just weren't being um, very good stewards of regulating their energy, uh, their mental capacity, their emotional capacity, um, their own marriage and families. Um, now, of course, some did, but I, I did notice several of my coworkers not doing as good of a job. And again, it's their choice. They can work as hard as they want, as many hours as they want, you know, and obviously get paid for that. Um, but I always knew there's only so much I could do in a day. There's only so much I can do in a week um, to keep from just deteriorating my marriage, um, or my own soul health. And so um, I begin to really talk to some of my coworkers um, about self-care. And next thing I know, me and my coworkers would meet up near the end of the week, our work week. We would try to get all of our work done um, early enough so by Friday at noon we could join up at a local coffee shop, Bond Life actually, in Cleveland, Tennessee. And we would just sit down and we would just talk to each other. We'd spend time with each other. We'd drink some really good coffee and we would um, just really build that connection again. I, and I started really encouraging my coworkers to take care of themselves, um, to do things for themselves. Um, you know, we do a lot for our community, make sure to take care of themselves. And so, and I would, I would encourage them and I would just say stuff like, you know, if we're not taking care of ourselves, how can we take care of others? So, you know, number one, self-care is just about others. And during this season, um, you know, we're taking care of a lot of people, um, I'm 34 years old. I'm still very much a kid at heart. I'm very excited about what's under the tree for dad. <laughs> just the truth. Just really, I'm just really excited. I'm, a, I'm still a kid. But as you, you know, when you go from kid, you go to adulthood, Christmas just isn't the same. Christmas um, loses its, it loses um, its just, you know, um, explosive luster of just like, wow and amazing. 
Um, and when you get older and you're an adult, it's a little stressful. You want to make sure you're getting the right gifts for the right people. And, and you want to make sure the house is ready. You want to make sure you got the food and, and people are coming in the right time and everything's in its place. And, and um, it's just not the same. And, um, and in all this, I would, I would tell my coworkers and I want to tell you, you know, if you can't take care of yourself, you can't, um, you know, really efficiently take care of others. And it's not about being selfish or being self-involved or self-oriented. It's just about uh, being self-aware. So be aware of what your limits are. Um, how organized are you? Um, and, and how organized can you be in all the things that you're trying to do and just be very purposeful purposeful in your day-to-day living. Um, What am I doing today for my physical health? What am I doing today for my mental health? What am I doing today for my emotional health? I think a lot of times we just work really, 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 really hard. We just burn ourselves out and then we're like, okay, uh, I need a vacation. I need to, and I think there's just a way we can regulate just our day-to-day, today-to-day and still get a whole lot done and be really, really efficient and just, again, just do it in a way that's very manageable day to day, not just like week to week or month to month or year to year, but really day to day. And I really believe the greatest weapon um, you can equip yourself with is self-care. It's not being, not, it's not about being selfish because really you taking care of yourself is going to allow you the ability to be able to, to take care of others um, very well. So when your life is in order, your mental life is in order, your, me- your emotional life is in order, um, when all these things are um, are just where they need to be in your soul health. Um, it just makes it really easy to serve others. It's very natural, um, fluid and efficient and effective. Um, and then number two, um, there is transformative power in merely listening. Um, when you are present, um, there is something that is so significant about that to the person that you're being present for. So I'm going to encourage you as a parent, um, maybe even as a teenager, as a grandparent, whatever, to be very present. You got presence for your kids. You got presence for your grandkids. You got presence for your loved ones. But really, during this holiday time, please, please be present. Um, When someone's talking to you about something difficult, um, be present. Don't look at your phone, you know. Um, don't try to um, go on to the next subject. Don't try to, okay, now we got we to gotta do this next thing or um, whatever you feel like needs to happen for your holiday agenda. Um, be present. Be present for your children. Be present for your grandchildren. Be present for your parents as grandparents. Um, and in all of that, when you are maybe pre- being present for somebody. Um, the truth is they're not looking for just this incredible advice. If you have it, absolutely share it. But they're not, they're not really looking for that. Um, they're just looking to be appreciated. And they're really wanting someone to care, to just care, to look them in the eye. And if you don't know what else to say, like, man, I'm so sorry that you're going through that. Um, you know, we can give 
resources. We can give monetary things. We can give gifts to each other. We can give um, great dinners and host great um, holiday um, just events in our homes for our family and and host these you know great moments and memories and that's wonderful. Um, but I want to encourage you to host your presence very very well and very intentionally um, because the truth is it transforms the self-worth of the people that you're with they need to they need the eye contact they need the emotional body language of when someone's sharing something painful that kind of hurt with them um and they're not again they're not looking for People are not looking during the season for like right answers or right responses. If you have them, that's great. I mean, they're not looking for this perfect statement from you. Um, they are just wanting to know that you care enough to listen. Um, and really the truth is they really aren't going to remember exactly what you said. Now, if it is something tremendously profound and what they need they will obviously but what they will remember um, is how they felt when they were with you and how they felt when they were sharing something difficult how they felt when they begin to be very transparent and very honest and open Um, they'll just remember how they felt while they're sharing that in your presence, what what your presence was to them. And so, um, again, self-care, take care of yourself, um, and then just listen. And so to wrap up this episode, I want to share a very specific story. I had a client um, as I was um, a juvenile prevention counselor, and I go to the home which I was an in-home counselor, so I had to do these sessions in their home. And so um, there were one-hour sessions and every week, and I had this client, went to their home. And as I walk into the home, the um, parents' king-size bed is just in the living room. It smelled. There were dogs and cats. There was half-eaten plates of food. There was trash and crumbs and the TV's blasting. And it's just chaos. And it's just, simply put, it's just an absolute mess. Um, And this client of mine who was about 12 years old um, was having some very, very severe behavioral issues at school. Very, very defiant, very defiant in the home. And it was actually a pretty big kid for 12 years old. Um, he was, he was almost as tall as tall as me. And, um, and the parent was just, we begin to kind of talk about the issues and the struggles and the tensions. And the parent is just like, you know, and so I sit here and I listen to them and the, the counseling session goes for about an hour and a half and almost into two hours by the time I leave but I listened to this family for almost 90 minutes. I'm just listening. Like I'm not even getting a word in about anything. I'm just listening to them talk 
about it all, letting him share what's going on in his world, the 12-year-old boy, and then the mom sharing what's her perspective of all these issues. I'm just listening, and I'm listening. And so they they just, you know, pour out all this stuff. Um, and after about 90 minutes, they're like, so what what should we do? And there was a lot. There was a lot of dynamics. There was a lot of variables. There was a lot of different directions. I could have gone of, well, let's try this or let's try to implement this. And I just remember just sitting in that home, very messy, very dirty, TV still on, turned up in a, at an obnoxious level. Um, and I just remember saying, you know what? Let's try every single day when your son comes home to turn the TV off, just sit at the table and just you both, mom and son, just talk about your day so far. He gets home about 3, 3.30. Let's just talk about, you know, how school, how was school? Um, mom, you share how was your day? Y'all just talk. Y'all just take 15, 30 minutes, turn everything off, try to put the dogs and the cats away or something, you know, just talk to each other. Um, I encourage them to clean up the house a little bit, you know, um, that I th- that I thought that the chaos they were experiencing was because um, there was a little bit of chaos in the home. So just bring a little order to the home. I said, just do that. Just, you know, trash, whatever, uh, put it away. And you guys just spend time talking to each other, not, you know, playing video games or watching, um, you know, a movie or TV show. You guys just come together and sit and talk. So I came back next week as if, I don't know, like I was Dr. Phil or something. Um, And this went on for several weeks, but even after that first week, they were just blown away at how much change in a positive way from just that one session. And so, which I was blown away, I gave them two very, very simple steps. But I know for a fact, me coming in, you know, I was wearing a shirt and a tie. I think I was wearing a, a suit jacket uh, and some slacks. Um, they saw this figure um, come in their home, dressed nice, um, and just listening to them. And I begin to think, you know what, probably somebody of my presence, um, they probably never had anybody really give them that much focused attention like, I don't know. Like, has that ever really even happened for this family and for this situation? And so a lot of sessions just looked like that for me. I would just go in these homes. I would build a relationship. I would listen. And I would give one or two just really, really practical steps, really practical like anybody can do. And just saw change. And and that story always sticks with me. Um because it was just kind of an overarching thing I saw during my time as a counselor. And now as, and then from there stepping into youth ministry and now to a lead pastor and a father of two daughters, Mary Catherine being five, Madeline Brooke about to be two on January 4th, I really realized that presence is so important. My presence, my ability to listen, my presence to my wife, Sarah is very, very important. It's priceless. Um, my ability to listen is very, very important. 
Um, she has gotten on to me several times about being on my phone, trying to answer an email, trying to do a lot. And um, I'm guilty of that. And, um, but those two things are so important. I want to encourage you, take care of yourself, do things every day um, to regulate what you can handle, what you can't handle, because it will allow you to be very, very present and listening. And that's what people need. That's what your family needs. It's what your spouse needs. It's what your children need. It's what your your parents, maybe as grandparents, need. You as grandparents, that's what your children, your grandchildren need. They just need you to be present. And they just need they just want you to listen. And you'll be surprised at the significant supernatural transformation that happens when we just take care of what we need to take care of, do what we can only do, um, and then to be very, very present and listening. So I hope this has been encouragement to you. Thank you for listening. And uh, do me a favor, share um, this to somebody if it's an encouragement to them. Again, I'm not really doing this for anything other than to share some things that I feel like is important to share. And if anything, it helps me grow in my communication. And um, never forget, a good start envisions the end result.